Air Force the movie, not to be mistaken for Air Force One in any way or form. This is a local production that is terrible. But before we get into why it's terrible, let me get some of the good stuff out of the way. Because there are a couple of things that are kind of good. The cinematography is bearable. The lighting is pretty good. Most of the shots are in focus. There is one cleverish cut when people open a door and walk into a room. But I think that's about it. <laughs> yes. I can't think of anything else. For the most part, this movie isn't just boring. It is completely misleading. When you watch the trailer, like we did almost a year ago, I think, the teaser trailer. Yeah. We were sold on the idea that this was maybe a Malaysian Top Gun. It's called Air Force The Movie. Mm-hmm. However, the only kind of aerial scenes that you see are the ones that you've already seen in the trailer. And that isn't even an exaggeration on my part. That is about it. There is maybe 30 seconds to a minute more of footage in the actual film, but most of it is actually repetitive because it feels like they only had so much money for CGI. Yeah. So just to be clear, this is not a movie about aerial dogfighting or airplanes. It is yes. more behind enemy lines. A group yes. of Malaysian soldiers, a couple of journalists and a volunteer doctor get shot down in a fictional country called Namburi, which is experiencing a civil war. And the Air Force, the Malaysian Air Force, has to be sent in to recover their troops. That is pretty much the plot of this film. However, the writing is so awful that none of it is actually executed with any kind of panache whatsoever. It's like these people saw behind enemy lines and maybe Top Gun and maybe Tears of the Sun and went, how do you make this drama Melayu? That is what this movie is. At several points throughout this film, I leaned over to you and go, this is so drama Melayu. The writing is so pedestrian. It's not dramatic. It very comfortably sits in the zone of melodramatic. Basically, two best friends are having their friendship tested because one of them falls in love with and off-camera marries the other's younger sister. But that's not the root of their trouble. That's right. The root of their trouble is one of them doesn't want to fly or doesn't want to be a pilot. None of this is explained, right? There is one brief montage scene right at the beginning of the movie in which two of your main characters, I say main characters, but we don't actually know if they're main characters because this movie is trying to do so many things. It doesn't have a focus on any one character. Let me ask you, the two, in air quotes, main characters, what are their names? Zaf. And, and Rock. Adip. Yes. <laughs> rock or Adip, okay? Yeah, okay, okay. You got it. I, I, I completely missed the name. I forgot the names. They could be the main characters, but it's completely irrelevant, right? Somehow, as kids, they were all supposed to fly and then one person wants to go off and be a commando. This is the main reason why the relationship falls apart. It's all of like, oh, you promised me as a child you want to fly. Now you want to be a commando. Wah, 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 wah. And that's it. But now 20 years later, you don't want to fly anymore. What is wrong with you? You don't want to fly? You don't want to keep that promise we made when we were three or four or yeah. five? Because as grown-ups, we may have different ambitions. It is just the dumbest, dumbest piece of character development I've ever seen in film. But... To call it character development would also be a joke because there is no character development in this. It feels like the writers decided that they needed to inject some kind 
of pathos or gravitas for these characters. So there was another character called Paco, whatever his name was, and he apparently had a psychotic break at some point during this movie, which we don't actually see on screen. There is a little girl tied to a tree and he loses his shit and he runs towards her to save her and then gets exploded by a mine. We're like, what the fuck just happened? Because he's running towards her screaming, Anaku, Anaku. And then someone goes, yes, he accidentally reversed into his own daughter and killed her. And now he's never been able to get over it. And look, this is easily 45 minutes into the movie. None of this has been mentioned except for the fact that he's longingly looking at a photo of his daughter, which could imply that he just wants to get home to see his daughter. Which just works as well. What you said about injecting pathos is throughout this movie, none of it feels set up. Suddenly, something happens. Suddenly, we find out the, I don't know, the leader of this group of people who found themselves behind enemy lines has got a son who's autistic. This is an hour and 15 into the movie. You drop this on me, it makes no difference. I've spent... 75 minutes with these guys already. I still don't care. I already don't care. Making the the child that he's trying to go home to autistic does nothing for anybody. This movie is filled with all these sort of injected backstories that move the needle not one bit. There are two journalists who are trapped with them on this fake island of Namburi, which I'm assuming is either Sri Lanka or Papua New Guinea, right? One of the two. North is fighting sure. with the South. It's just a kind yeah. of standard civil war conflict. Anyway, there are two journalists with them and they do absolutely nothing. There are no morals here. There are no lessons to be learned. I mean, it's not like these journalists are actually against the military and they're to uncover the truth behind this secret operation that is going on. No, 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 no. None of that sort. They're just there to kind of hold them up. I was worried that that would be the case. I was worried that this was going to be one of those oh, anti-liberal media situations by the Malaysian industrial military complex and like, oh, look, they don't, they don't believe us. They don't know what we have to go through, blah, blah. They don't even do that. They just insert these two random characters for random reasons. Yeah, they're there. Fuck it. This movie is that. Random things that happen at random times for random reasons. It feels like they had absolutely no focus. They couldn't decide what movie they wanted to tell. Did they want it to be behind enemy lines? Did they want it to be Saving Private Ryan? Did they want it to be Top Gun? They had no idea. And the thing is, when telling the story, we go back to the perennial Malaysian problem of bad writing. And I don't understand why that keeps happening. Just watch the movie you want to copy about 20 times. And learn. I don't even say learn. You don't even don't even learn. You don't even have to go that far. Just rewrite the fucking script. Just rewrite the fucking script. If you watch Top Gun, for example, the original Top Gun, not even Maverick. If you watch the original Top Gun, there's actually very little aerial stuff in there. There's less aerial stuff in the movie than you actually remember. Because yes. it was rooted in character. It was Maverick's story. And you're learning about this individual who's got these problems and how he's making his way through life and the military. That was the core of the film. And then the aerial stuff kind of happened by the by. Because even the dogfighting at the end is just a fascinating set piece. There is no actual villain of Top Gun. The reason the dog fighting thing at the end works is because they've earned it, right? Maverick has, by flying off the seat of his pants, has essentially killed Goose. Nobody thinks he did. He thinks he did. 
Now that's the problem. Here, Zafran just tells his commander, I'm the best fighter pilot you have. Yeah, and then the commander goes to his commander and goes, but he's the best pilot we have. I'm like, okay. You should fucking know and that. Then, Great. And then, yeah, nothing he's done to that point shows us that he is a very good fighter pilot. Even towards the end of the film, when he's flying his plane, nothing he actually does shows us that he's a great fighter pilot. And then we go back to the writing and the development of these characters and this plot. If you've watched Top Gun Maverick, what do they do in Top Gun Maverick? There are two crucial things that they do. The first thing is setting up who Maverick was in case you missed the first film, right? So they show him stealing the stealth fighter, stealing in inverted commas, and going for a Mark 9, Mark 10 run. That scene sets up who Maverick is. He's reckless, yeah. he's brave, he will flout authority. You learn everything you need to know about Tom Cruise's character in those two or three minutes of the film. The second yes. thing they do is set up the stakes. And they do that a couple of times, or maybe three times, where they're explaining the mission to everyone. It's like, ah, we've got to go take out these SAM sites. This is going to be a steep dive. It's going to be very, very difficult. Like, you've laid it all out, and yeah. all of the pilots are like, oh, shit, no man can do that by yeah. themselves. Oh, it's so difficult, right? Here, here, all they do is show fucking musical montage scenes with people pointing at computer screens and whiteboards. No words are spoken. None. We don't know what the fuck Operation Hornbill is. The only reason we know it's called Operation Hornbill is because someone says it at the end when he says Hornbill is a go. That's all you get. We don't know what fucking Operation Hornbill is. We just get the leader putting his hands on the table and with some really bad acting going, Operation Hornbill is a go. And then they fly off and they're like, ah, target acquired. Let's take out the targets. Oh my God, target has been destroyed. What is the fucking target? Why are you taking out the target? Why is he the only jet plane there when they have surface-to-air missiles? Does he not have any backup? Do we not have any other jets? Does the Malaysian military, like those LCS ships, only have one plane? Is that what happened? It's because he's the best, Uma. Ah! Uma, it's because he's the best. So he flies alone. He flies alone. He comes up with a flight plan, Bahe, but we don't know what that plan is. All we know is that he has to fly low and fly light. Yes, that's Why? it. Why? Don't know. Mm, don't know. Why? Oh, and uh, I don't know. There's, here, uh, I, I, terrible, terrible writing. It's like they've never seen a movie. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I want to just throw this out there, right? If you're listening to this, I think you should spend the 15 ringgit and go watch this movie. I think you should because you understand why we're so livid because the movie is so terribly written. And this is the best example I can think of right now of what a badly written movie is. You watch it and you go, why do we care about the father or the son or anything or anyone in this? So it was written by the same guy who wrote Pascal. But I think this is a very good example of where maybe a director can save the day because Pascal had very bad writing as well. But maybe... Mm. Adrian had some directorial vision that made that movie better than this one. This yeah, movie was maybe, directed by yeah. the same guy who did J. Revolucy, which tells you everything you need to know. This feels like a wasted opportunity because it feels like they wanted to tell a story about the Malaysian Air Force. So write a story which does justice to the Malaysian Air Force. Mm. Don't try to rip off Hollywood tropes when we don't necessarily have the ability to do it, whether it's the writing yeah. ability or even the CGI. 
because the CGI at the end looks very, very bad. I mean, like, it's worse given that this is the year that Top Gun Maverick came out. Yes. But even in yeah. a year without Top Gun Maverick, there was no tension. There was nothing in those final battle sequences. Yeah. And I think I enjoyed the stuff that was set in this fictional country more when they were on the ground because I think that at least tried to do something. But if it was that movie by itself, that would have worked better. If it was a behind the enemy lines type thing, that would have actually had more of an emotional impact. Instead, every time they cut back to Malaysia, to KL, or wherever they were planning this mission, they were only montage sequences. No one actually does anything. Sangeeta Krishnasamy is in this thing, and she just kind of hands documents to different people. Yeah. Like, she isn't yeah. given anything to do. She's a secretary. Carmen Sue has a cameo, and she kind of just has one random moment where she shouts at our lead, and then says, I fixed this plane for you at the end. That's it. Like, why are you in this film? As I was leaving the cinema, I was thinking to myself, I would not be as angry at this movie if they removed all the emotional bits. If it was just a straight up, like you said, behind enemy lines kind of movie, right? I don't need to know someone's got a dead daughter. I don't need to know someone's son is autistic. I don't need to meet the guy's wife. I don't care about any of these things. Also because it's completely irrelevant. If you are writing a good enough movie, then watching Maverick go on a date with the lost love of his life means something. Because you've kind of woven it into the story. You're not a good writer. So don't add those things. Those things don't make this movie better. They make it worse. Because I don't care. You've spent all the time trying to set up this backstory about, about these two friends and their one of their sisters. It makes no difference to this movie. Which they barely talk about. They barely touched and talked about, right? Like, spend that time doing a proper planning sequence. As in, the guys back in home base are trying to work out the situation. We don't even know why they're there other than once dropping a, a humanitarian mission. But then it starts off with this massive thing about them saving someone. I'm just like, what is any of this? He's trying to save someone. The kid dies. We don't know why he's trying to save someone. By the way, everybody else in that base, when they bring this boy back, sort of freaks out when they see that he's on the other side of on of them, whatever. But it doesn't matter which side because none of that is actually explained. So half the time, you don't know which side they're fighting. And then, to top it all off, they have some kind of a data drive or a data pack and Adi Putra's character keeps on going on about how that's the only evidence they have. Itulah bukti yang like we need. And we don't know what that evidence is for. We don't know why they're risking their lives going back to the crash site to get it. None of this is explained. And even if there is a MacGuffin, you need to use it constantly as a MacGuffin. But it's not done in this film. The MacGuffin is dropped, the rabbit's foot is dropped onto us 20 minutes into the movie after the plane has crashed, right? Nobody, Completely meaningless. Up to that point, nobody has talked about the MacGuffin. Nobody has talked about how we have to get this thing back to KL because it will stop this, this civil war or whatever. I don't know if there's porn in there. I don't know if there's... You know, some guy's nasi, nasi lemak recipe in there. I don't know what's in there. So I don't care. And you didn't mention it until suddenly it's important. And that's bullshit. None of that stuff actually makes any sense. It's a mishmash of a whole bunch of ideas that have been strung together very, very badly. Like Adiputra's character, Major Atnan or Legend, is his codename. And he, I guess the closest 
the closest surrogate to that would be Tom Hanks in Serving Private Ryan. It feels like that is mm. the kind of character they were trying to emulate. This quiet hero. He's got a solid past and that's why he's called legend and he makes all of these decisions and sometimes things don't necessarily go his way and like you want to look up to this person but nothing in the movie actually lets you do that. It's not written well enough to craft this interesting fascinating character. It's just told through stupid exposition and stupid stupid dialogue. Ah, my son has autism. Back at home. So? And then, we're 75 minutes into the movie. If it wasn't important within that 75 minutes, it sure as hell isn't important in the last 20. I'm not even sorry. I don't give a shit. Also, I feel like if someone has having psychological issues after killing his own daughter, he may not pass the psych evaluation to go on a mission like this. I'm just saying. Yeah. Just feels a little far-fetched. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe no. You probably don't want to hand the guy a loaded weapon, right? No. You don't. I I don't know, man. I mean, I will say there were moments in this movie, if I was able to forget what happened right before it, I wouldn't say I enjoy it, but I appreciate it. Some of the military work looked good on camera. Some of the gun work looked good on camera. I think all of the stuff that they got consultants in from the army and the air force, I think all of that stuff worked because obviously they had trained with the right people. Yes. And so that looked probably as realistic as possible that said it goes back to the writing again because i think they got so caught up in trying to be accurate you had so much military jargon that went unexplained and so yes if you take a hollywood production and let's go back to top gun or any one of those rah-rah american military movies that we've seen the writers always do well to try and keep the jargon to a minimum they keep it as realistic as possible but they keep the jargon to a minimum because then you, the viewer, will understand what is going on. Here, when the head of the military goes, initiate SAR, you and I play lots of video games, Bahe, so we know SAR is search and rescue, but I guess to the average person, SAR just sounds like a weird disease that killed tens of thousands of people in the 90s. It's not even that, but... Okay, now I'm going to get into the esoteric. When the admiral says, initiate SAR, it doesn't sound as strong as your admiral saying initiate search and rescue that just to the ear it sounds not only just cooler but more dramatic you know what i mean like it as a as a piece of line being said as a piece of dialogue being said out loud initiate search and rescue just sounds better than initiate sar it doesn't quite have the punch the kick and the gut that you need to initiate search and rescue i i'm uh, yeah, I, you know, whatever. This <laughs> <sighs> The movie I, is 90 I, minutes, but it felt like we were in the cinema. It felt all like day. ages. It felt so long. I checked my watch three times in 15 minutes. They reached this dangerous throwing at one point. I checked my watch and I'm like, it's only been an hour? Surely this is like the seventh act of this film already. My final point that tunnel sequence, I don't know what it is with. Malaysian filmmakers, but you have to tell me how big the tunnel is. 
You don't have to tell me it's 24 feet across, 17 feet long. You need to show me how far apart everything is. Nobody does any of that setup. That is why movies like John Wick, for example, work so well. Whenever John Wick enters a room, whenever they set up an action sequence, you have a good lay of the land. So you know exactly who he's fighting and where he's fighting. Actually, don't even look to Hollywood. That's why Ada Hantu worked as well as it did. Yeah. As soon as they went yeah. to the haunted house, they knew what to do. They set up the environment. And so when the twist happens, you're like, oh, it's in a different part of this environment. That's very cool. That That's we would, didn't see. Yeah. Right? Look, I mean, I mean the, the thing about the throwing, the thing about that tunnel, simple, right? The raid, that building that the guy has to go through, it sets you up. It shows you how big the hallways are. It shows you how big the stairs are. It shows you where the doorways are. Because when you're in a firefight, you can't just cut your camera. Because I don't know where anybody is. I don't know who's shooting at who. You're in a tunnel. There are enemies coming both ways. So now when the camera cuts and one guy is pointing one way, one guy is pointing the other way, I just mentally have to assume then that's the problem right you're making me do mental homework when it shouldn't be the case air force the movie is now showing in malaysian cinemas as bahe said if you are so inclined pay your 15 ringgit go watch this movie and you will understand why we are as disappointed and as enraged as we are there's a subtitle to this movie, Selagi Bernyawa. God knows my life was sucked out of me as I was watching this film. Nyawa nyawa ikan. Yes, exactly. That is exactly how we felt leaving the cinema. Let us know what you think if you've seen it. You know how to reach out. Goggler MY, all of our social media feeds. Podcast at goggler.my is our email address. And you can send us a WhatsApp on the Goggler hotline, 012-524-5208. Thank you so much for listening. This is the Goggler Podcast.